What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 38 of My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Digital Jeff, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to leave us a rating and a review. It really helps more people find the podcast and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned for future episodes, and also check out our previous episodes. We have 37 other interviews with awesome people that I really think you're going to enjoy. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social pod, and I will feature you on the account and send you a message as well. And now I'm happy to present to you my conversation with Digital Jeff. Who is Jeff? Jeff is an artist, a director, a storyteller, and the co-creator of Leaders Create Leaders. And if you're unfamiliar, Leaders Create Leaders is a popular show on YouTube where Gerard Adams goes around the world to interview leaders and tell their untold true stories. And if you're unfamiliar with who Gerard Adams is, he's a millennial mentor. He's the co-founder of Elite Daily, which was sold for over $50 million. And he co-created Leaders Create Leaders with Jeff. And I'm very excited that we have him on the podcast today. Jeff, welcome to the show. You know, I just appreciate you bringing me on and looking forward to sharing as much as I can with the community, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. And where I kind of want to start is I want to start with your backstory because I did a little bit of research beforehand and there's not too much that I could find. I found bits (laughs) and pieces here and there. Uh, So I just want to start kind of when did photography and videography become like an important part of your life? So interesting enough, my my mother had a fashion uh, boutique when I was growing up. This is back in 1996 and um, actually before that, but around the ni- 1996 was when I was right going into uh, middle school and um, uh, my older brothers had convinced my parents to buy us a camera. And during this time period, it was a VHS camera, nothing out of this world, but we, we would use it originally to help her film at the fashion boutique. And um, eventually it became like just our number one go-to toy for for uh, creating like short films and like home movies and the, the cool thing about it back then is that you'd be able to film something it was everything was on VHS so when you were filming a scene if you messed up you had to like rewind it cue it and then go again uh film again whatever but at the very end you would have like a VHS tape that you can just you know put plug, put into your tv press play and be able to rewatch and the coolest part, part about that was that, and the reason I think I fell in love with filmmaking is that it was able to, I was able to bring over my friends that around the community, around my neighborhood, bring them over. And there was this one time that I like literally like it was night after night that people re- wanted to rewatch the same one. Uh, it was kind of like a, a viral, viral film and more and more friends, people were bringing their friends and all of a sudden my, my living room was just packed with uh, with all these random people that I had never met. Some some friends, some not friends. But anyways, it was the first, uh, I guess, moment that I learned about the power of storytelling and the power of being able to create something and share it with the world. So that's always, and that was around, I was like, you know, my early uh, adolescence, like eight, eight years old to about 13, 14, that I had this like, you know, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. And I had other dreams also, like I wanted to be a professional basketball player and a professional soccer player and, you know, that didn't work out. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of like the, um, the initial uh, love and passion for this had extended, you know, from my mom. My mom has, was a photographer and then she believed in, you know, in us to buy us a camera. I have two older brothers, thankfully, they showed me how to use a camera and, and uh, the rest is kind of like history. Just kept, I never stopped creating ever since, since that age. That's awesome. And so when did you really make that decision where you were like, I'm going to go after this as my career? Um, so interesting enough, when I was 17 years old, I, uh, see, I was a senior in high school. I was a captain of the basketball team. And I, like I said, I had, I had goals to become an NBA player. And my other, I had two, you know, I was, you know, I always had plan B. My other plan B was um, to become a filmmaker. And my senior year of high school, I uh, ended up getting married. My wife was, ex- my wife was expecting, uh, my girlfriend at the time was expecting. So we made the decision to get married at, at 17 years old. And, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. But I remember that moment that I realized that 
I was going to have to kind of put all my dreams kind of like in the back burner and focus on providing for, for my new family. And we started living together. Like we still hadn't graduated. We were living together. And um, it was really hard for us because, you know, I came from, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't say I came from like poverty because I, I didn't come from poverty. Um, but you know, we didn't have, I didn't have a financial support system to help me out. So even the idea of going to college was seemed impossible. The idea of like, becoming a filmmaker seemed way, you know, just all my dreams were just like on pause. And I remember, uh, I was working at pizza hut at easy pond. Those are like two of my, two of my first job when I was married and I was working all these hours and like, I would see my paychecks and like, damn dude, like how am I going to support a family with this, uh, with this amount of money? And, um, what I ended up doing is I saved up enough money and I bought my first, uh, camera. And with this money that I bought my first camera, um, I ended up booking my first ever, uh, like Sweet 16, it's called Quinceañera back over here in South Texas. It's, uh, Quinceañera, they're like, they're like a celebration of when uh, a girl t becomes a woman, you know? So I booked my first event and I charged $500 for it. And, uh, that was a, like a little, like a little light spark because, um, I was able to make some money off my art form, you know, something I love to do. And now they're like, damn, this is amazing. But this is back in 2003. So it was not like where I had people like you sharing stories or people like me now sharing stories, right? It was like, you're on your own. And I used that same money and I ended up actually making $540. I remember having, having $540 in cash, not like a check or anything. It was cash because I didn't have a business name or anything. And I used that same money and then put it into opening my first uh, 800 square foot studio and that studio was called castle creations um yeah so so um i was um still working like two jobs had the studio and then slowly i started booking more and more events and i think by the age of like 20 i, I already knew that this was going to be like what i was gonna doing doing for a long time i did go through these stages of like I don't know, like it, it was, it was interesting because I was making money. I finally was able to like get my, get my family a house. By that time, um, I was already, already had my third kid, um, going on my fourth and it was providing for me, but I wasn't happy with what I was, what I was creating. And this is where it gets interesting because, um, for me, the studio was a connection to happiness. It was a connection to my dream. It was the studio for me was like this little space that, allowed me to allow that dream to stay alive. But at the same time, it slowly became a burden where I was working on projects that I had, I had no care for. Like I was doing for like three, four years, I was shooting a wedding every Friday and Saturday. And I was doing like commercials and I was doing websites and I was thinking, I was trying to build the studio into, you know, a profitable studio. And, you know, when you start having employees and there's other families that are involved now, you really have to make wise decisions. So it got to a point where I was kind of like uh, up to up to here, but I didn't even want to touch a camera and I decided to close out my studio and then I went back to school. But when I went back to school, it was interesting because um, I, um, I decided to do the same, like go the same route. I, um, I got a degree in communications and I had like a little, I had one or two classes that were on film studies um, and then one was, one was on video production. So that kind of kept me in it, in the arts, you know, and I didn't know that I was going to go back to, uh, creating, but I knew that it was always going to be part of me for some reason. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the, the first part of my, my journey. That was in my early twenties. And if you guys don't know, uh, obviously you guys don't, but I'm 35 years old and I've been doing this now for like professionally since I was 18, 19 years old. So I've been doing this for quite a while. There's like different phases of my art form. Mm -hmm. And I just want to go back a little bit. When you decided to get married at 17, what was the reaction from like your friends and family? Because like you said, that is a little bit young to get married. It's like, was the reaction pretty good when you guys decided that? Actually, no, man. So obviously it was hard for both of our families uh, because we were not raised to, to go through that route, you know? And yeah. it was difficult because of that. But this, the other reason that it was hard was because you see all your friends going to college, you see all your friends partying and, you know, just doing like all the crazy things that teenagers do right after high school. And my first few years of, of be, me being an adult, I already had a huge responsibility, not only for my life, but for the life of, of uh, my kids and, and my wife. And 
you know, I'm a, I always thought I was a good person. So I did my best to provide for them. I did my best to, you know, get them, get them out of any situation that they were, that we were in. Like, you know, we went from not having anything. Like we literally went from a moment, like I remember clearly like understanding how each dollar was being spent because I knew that I needed exactly like 22, 19, uh, to be able to buy a can of milk for my kid, for my son, you know, like I needed, I needed just enough that money every week for sure. Aside from paying like the gas and like paying for the apartment and the water and the light and all this. And like, if you had to make a decision on spending something or going out to eat or buying a shirt or just any simple little thing, like I always had to like look at my finances and figure out exactly uh, where this money's going towards, you know, because I had somebody, I had somebody that depended on me. Yeah. So just like, just going through that experiences I've been counting like every single dollar, does that, is that something that sticks with you today? And you always kind of like look back and reflect on that from time to time just to look how far you've come now. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, it was, it, I was like in my, in my early twenties, I had the scarcity mindset where I felt that there, it was almost, I literally felt that it was almost impossible. Like all the odds are against me to be able to do what I'm doing right now. And I had this moment a few months ago where I was working on this project. There was an episode for Leaders Create Leaders and it was three, four in the morning. I had so many problems with this project, like getting it out and all these, all these like doubts started, like, what am I doing? And like all these anxiety started creeping in. And I remember something that Gerard told me and Gerard's my partner in the show and also a mentor of mine. And he's like, hey Jeff, like, uh, remember when you prayed for the things that you have right now. And that, that message came through me right when I was going through this moment of anxiety, depression. And just like that, three, four in the morning, all that turned into gratitude because I literally wake up every day and I'm literally doing what I set out to do when I was 17 years old, which is share stories with the world, share stories with the world and produce films that share these stories. So like I'm doing this on a day-to-day basis. I wake up and I get to do, Uh, my dream. But going back to your question, um, it took me a lot to figure out that there is abundance and that you're able to reach this abundance and you don't necessarily have to count every single dime or penny, you know, but you do have to have an intention of why you're, why you're either buying what you're buying. So for example, like for you, I'm sure when you bought your, your podcast equipment, there was an intention behind that podcast equipment. And yeah, you had to sacrifice other things to be able to buy that, but you know that there's going to be a lot that come from it, you know? So for me, it was more understanding that philosophy that it's an investment that you're making and being very intentional with what you're spending versus, you know, just spending just to spend. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm still very, um, I'm still, I still, I'm still a penny pincher though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I kind of want to get to like, Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just like when you have a, a family to take care of, like you have to be very, you have to be thinking five, ten years ahead sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not there yet, so I don't, I don't fully understand, but I do understand at the same time what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to ask you about a story I heard. I think it was on another podcast where you talked about um, flying to New York to try and meet Gary Vee. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you kind of tell that story? Yeah, so that's kind of what started like this next phase of my journey to when I, because um, after I graduated from, from college, I op- reopened my same agency that I had. It was under a different name, uh, under Digital Republic, but I built the same type of business because that's what I knew how to do, you know? So I built this business and at a certain point, I was like, I think I was like 30 or 31. I caught myself like unhappy again, feeling the same way that I felt when I was 24. I was like, dude, 10 years have passed or eight years have passed and I, I'm in the exact same spot. Like, you know, why am I not getting closer to that dream or goal of mine? And I decided to uh, close out my studio. I gave very all the employees like a six month window and I closed it down June 1st of 2015. And when I closed it down, I also, I didn't just close it down just to like not do anything. I closed it down with the intention of filming a documentary called Hustle New York. And I wrote down the list of people that I admired, that I looked up to and Gary Vee was one of them, right? And uh, this list of 12 people was like my mission. My mission was to take a one-way ticket to New York City, spend as much time as possible there, and get all these people talking to me on camera about the meaning of hustle while I hustled to get to these people. You know, it's kind of like the 
that was a play behind it. And I um, literally quit everything. You know, time is ticking because I got to find ways to provide for my family. There's no money coming in anymore. There's like zero clients. There's um, there's only like a small nest egg that I had that I that I depended on to, you know, going back to this like mindset of like just looking at everything you're spending. And I went with the faith of being able to meet Gary Vee. And, and um, I had this friend of mine named Brandon. And Brandon um, had season, I think he had season tickets to the Jets also. And he invited me to the Jets game. But after being there for like nine, 10 days in New York City, I had, of that list of 12 people that I had, none of them had given me their time of day. So it was very like, it was almost like, literally a test of faith, you know? And I remember showing up to that Jets game and I knew, I knew Gary Vee was gonna be there because Gary Vee goes to every Jets game, home game at least. And um, we show up and me and my friend Brandon are, are, walking, uh, are walking around the, around the stadium before the game and we're checking like, Gar- we're like st- totally stalking Gary Vee like, oh, <laughs> checking the Snapchat like, oh, sh- oh shit, he's wearing this jersey, number 74. We show up to the stadium, like everybody's wearing that jersey, like, fuck, man, it's gonna be harder than I thought. And it it was like, it was this moment where where I was like, damn, maybe I made the wrong decision of like going in. And you know, that that doubt always kicks in. And I went into the restroom. I literally was like literally like at the point of breaking down and crying. And I'm in the restroom at the at the MetLife Stadium. And I literally like just say a prayer, like a quick prayer, like, hey, like, you know. If you're listening right now, I need, I need like just a sign of hope. That's it. Let's say like, I, I'm not asking anything else to sign of hope. So long story short is we finally get to the seats and we're sitting, we're sitting, we're sitting down. I look up to, I look up like a few, like I'm looking around, obviously looking, still looking for Gary and he's literally sitting like four rows behind me, maybe three rows behind me. And I'm the only one in that vicinity with a fucking DSLR camera, shotgun mic, Casey Knight's style. And uh, I point, to, I just point the camera at him, and that was like my icebreaker. Like he he went off on my camera, and then I I asked him for an interview. He's like, let's do it during halftime. And uh, that was like that was my sign, bro. That was my sign to keep going. And then shortly after, like all the people on that list slowly, like within the next few days, started aligning and. Um, one of the people on that list ended up becoming my business partner um, slash co-creator in this show called Leaders Create Leaders, which uh, started you know about three and a half years ago now. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So how did you end up meeting Gerard then, the co-creator of Leaders Create Leaders with you? Like what was the situation where you ended up meeting him for the first time? So interesting enough, I, um, I was still in New York. This is right after I met Gary Vee and the same person that uh, got me the tickets to the Jets game was same guy that had just met Gerard at a coffee shop like a few days before. And um, I still have the video of all this, by the way. And I'm recording ourselves while we're texting Gerard. And he's like, hey, man, uh, there's this videographer from Texas. Um, best videographer in Texas. You got to meet him. He wants to interview you for his documentary. And uh, he just needs 10 minutes. And Gerard responded like, hey, man, I'm sick. I can't. Yada, yada, yada. And then we just kept like going back and forth. And finally Gerard was like, um, I'll give you guys 10 minutes, but you got to come in like right now. And when we showed up, Gerard like literally had a flu, like he was literally sick. And, um, you know, ever since the beginning, I uh, connected well with him for many, many reasons. And one of the, one of the reasons that he's half Hispanic, his family's from Venezuela, Colombia, Venezuela. And he has a, his, his grandfather who just turned 100, actually lives down like uh, a city, uh, a sister city from where I live at. Okay. So yeah, out of all places, you know, in Texas, cause Texas is a big state, like his grandfather um, lives, live right next to where I, where I live at. And so that was kind of like the reason we kind of connected. I had, he understood, he kind of like, he's like, dude, where's your, um, where's that slang from? Where's your, what, what do you call it? Like the, your, yeah. like, your, yeah, exactly. Yeah, accent. So, yeah, accent. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm from South Texas. So when we, when I said that, we just started like vibing about Brownsville and he had been in Brownsville growing up, you know, they would, they would send him over the summers here and stuff like that. 
So we had that instant connection because of that. And then eventually um, what really happened is that I converted that interview into a video for him, right? And he called, like he called me, I think it was New Year's Day. It was a few months later, New Year's, on New Year's Day. He's like, hey, Jeff, I want to drop a video tomorrow. And um, I know you interviewed me. Is there any way you can create a video for me? At that time, I was in Miami with my family and we were celebrating New Year's. And um, he calls me like probably like at 10 p.m. He's like, hey, Jeff, I want to drop a video tomorrow morning. I'm like, dude, I'm with my family. It's New Year's. There's no way I can create a video for you. He's like, but if my family goes to sleep early, let's say two, three in the morning, I can work on your video after and then I'll send you what I got. So that's the way it happened. Three in the morning, kids fall asleep, wife is asleep. And I start work. I open up my laptop and start working on this video. Finally till like 9 a.m. I send him the video at 9 a.m. And he's like, dude, I've never seen anybody create a video like that. I, we got to do something so we can work together moving forward, yada, yada, yada. And so the next week I flew up to New York and that's when we, we started the, the show Leaders Create Leaders. I think it was like January of 2016. Wow. And yeah. so, um, so how, so was it from making that video for him on New Year's Day that led to you guys kind of collaborating on Leaders Create Leaders? Was it based off that video that you made that led to that? Yeah, exactly. It was exactly that. It was like, it was kind of like, uh, it was like he wasn't even testing me or anything. It was just like he needed something. And out of all the days, he calls me on New Year's when I'm, you know, celebrating and I'm with my family. And I guess he saw, you know, my work ethic aside from, you know, my creativity, also my work ethic and, you know, just giving him my work that I was going to try to get some, get something for him. And it wasn't obviously my best work, but it was, it was what I, what I had. And I delivered, delivered, he was able to send it to his audience. And then a week later, I was in New York City um, again, this time uh, working on like, you know, figuring out a type of partnership or collaboration. So ever since then, um, shortly after I moved, I moved to New York City. And a few months later, I moved my entire family to New York City. Wow. And now since that was like three and a half years ago, and I think you're five seasons and now you're over 50 guests. Can you just give people like an idea of some of the guests that you've had on your show? So, I mean, it started with like people like Gary V, you know, Gary V, um, Ryan Holiday, a lot of the authors, like famous authors, people that you want to sit down with, but they're maybe out of reach just because they have, they have busy schedules or, or they're just simply, um, just busy with their, with their lives, you know, but yeah, like Gary V is a good example. We had Andy Frisella, we had, um, all the, all the way to the end of like Rory Kramer. Do you know who Rory Kramer is? I think so. Was he a Viner? He, he's a, uh, Rory Kramer is like, he does music videos and like lifestyle, oh. lifestyle videos. Yeah. Yes, he's, I do know him. Yeah. He's known for like doing a lot of the work for the Chainsmokers, Avicii. Um, he's got the number one most watched ever video on YouTube. Um, wow. So we've, we've had like all the way from creators all the way to um, like entrepreneurs, you know, people, people launching businesses and having a lot of success. Um, I was going to ask if there's any guests that like, or how do you go about getting your guests? Like, is it just through personal connections or do you reach out? How does that usually go? If you're trying to get like a guest on, obviously um, it's always good to already be, even if you've had like, let's say you have like 10 episodes, right? And even if it's like those 10 episodes that you have, um, have, have, um, the people that you've had on don't really like have like big followings. It's still good to have something to, you can show to people. In our case, we were lucky enough to have access to like Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Lewis house. So we were able to use those names moving forward to get other guests on board, you know? So I was, you know, I had the luxury of having that, but for me, for me to be able to tell you right now that you can do it the exact same way that I did it, it's, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be I'd be lying because it's, it's hard to get, even right now, we still kind of struggle with some people that it's mostly because of scheduling, you know, you know how it is like even me and you, like we had trouble scheduling this interview. Yeah. But um, I think, I think the main thing that you got to do is um, you got to have a mission statement behind your show and you just have to be very adamant about reaching out to people and, and doing your job, I'm not saying like spamming anybody or, or harassing anybody, but like at least do your due diligence and finding out who, what are the right um, steps to take to, to get access to a person or at least to invite somebody on. 
Mm-hmm. And don't be discouraged, like when somebody says no. And some guests that say no, like season one, but like season three, like they're all about it. And we've been able to get on, get them on, like on future episodes. So mm-hmm. I always follow up and show them like where you're at and what you've been doing. And once I think people know that you're serious about this and you're not just, you know, just doing whatever. Like people are gonna also take you serious. Like the more serious that you take your own show, your own content, the more work that you put into it, the more um, that not only you're your community is going to grow, but also the actual people that get on, get on board to support you, whether it's through an interview or to connecting you to somebody, it's going to, it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to ask you to pick any of your favorite interviews because I know like you love them all the same, but are there any <laughs> ones that kind of like stand out a little bit? Like someone said something that resonated with you really well or like different ones that stand out for various reasons. I mean, it's like uh, choosing the fairy kid, right? But mm-hmm. I, um, I love the idea of, of thought leadership in the sense of actions and words and them being in unison. So when you go and you interview somebody, right, and they tell you about their philosophies, but you spend the day with them, are they just, are they just words or are they actually actions? Are they, is this person living this, their actual truth, you know? And the closer I get to the to that being unison, the, their words and their actions is the more I appreciate the experience. Um, I, I mean, every person that we've had on board, the way we go about not only trying to reach out to these people, but like we, we make an investment, like traveling to these people's locations and places. So, you know, we literally traveled around the world and it's a big, sometimes it's a big expense. So we make sure we choose the right people, but I'm going to be a little bit biased with like creators because there's creators that I've looked up to and I've able to, been able to meet them because of, because of the show. So like Rory Kramer was a big one and um, Matt Como. Uh, I don't, do you know Matt Como? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask like an important thing that I've known or I've noticed with just doing the podcast is trying to maintain connections with the guests after the fact. So do you have any tips for like how you've gone about to do that? Like just supporting them as much as possible, whether it's like, shouting them out or just commenting or liking or sharing your posts, telling people about it. Like I know for sure, like um, the majority of the people on the show, I, I keep good tabs on what they're doing. Not that I'm like all over their stuff, but like, it's just like, it's good to, it's good et- et- etiquette to understand what they're trying to promote at the moment. Because if you really believe in their message, you'll support what they're doing no matter what. I think the main thing is just supporting them. And sometimes they, they, Sometimes you'll like share it, comment, and they don't have like, for me, like, I don't expect a thank you or I don't expect like, Hey man, or a follow back or whatever. It's just more like, that's the, that's the easiest way for me to provide value for them without having to ask for a conversation or for an email or for a phone call, whatever. It's just like, Hey, I'm here. I support you. You know, I, um, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm at arm's reach if you need me, but I think that's the best way to continue that that conversation with, with the people that you've um, been on, that been on your show. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious as to what your setup is for recording the show. I've watched one of your behind the scenes ones. I think you have like a three camera setup or something like that. And three camera and they're all DSLRs. They're like, they got that 30, 30 minute limit. So we, sh- we use the same cameras that I have for photography, the same ones I'm using for video. So I, I always tell people like, it, at the end of the day, it's about the story so the story is not powerful it doesn't really matter how much lighting you have or how good of a camera you have or lens it's like you got to focus on the story let let the rest take care of itself Mm -hmm. and you've also got some merch for the show i'm just curious as to how you went about producing merch designing it all like what the process is from coming up with the idea for merch all the way to selling it it could be as simple as you going on photoshop and coming up with a design and using just your logo and putting it up on a shopify or what we've done is like every season of leaders create leaders has a theme so for example season five is called the great awakening and we're talking to a lot of leaders that are going through spiritual awakenings you know Mm -hmm. so the whole design is based on the season of the show so the whole idea of being woke um kind of um uh, inspired that design all the designs for last to last season so that's kind of the way we're going about it and then we have like thankfully our team has two graphic designers that are amazing at doing that they've been able to it's not if you look at our designs they're very simple but they get the message across and i uh i challenge you to to do the same like don't overthink it 
even if it has like basic text, like people are, if people love you, love your, love your show, like they're going to support you and um, yeah, just get it done, man. Shopify, put it up. It's so easy to do it nowadays. Like quick YouTube tutorial, you'll get it done. That's awesome. And I wanted to ask you of like any specific lessons that you've taken away from your time being in the room with all of these various thought leaders over the last three and a half years. Like if there's any specific lessons that stick with you to this day. I think the main one is, um, damn, this is a hard, it's a hard question, but the main one I think is that there's a big difference between an amateur and a professional. And is there's no there's no big difference in like how smart they are or how artistic they are or or how good looking they are or you know the the professional understands that they got to show up every day and be consistent over a long period of time and the amateur never gets that the amateur is amazing goes in spurts does a sprint for like 2 3 weeks and then takes a two two weeks off cuz nothing worked out as as imagined but the professional i think um, this, what separates them from being an amateur is that they show up every day, no matter the circumstances. And, um, it, you know, is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And that's when, that's one thing that stuck with me. And that's one thing I've been able to apply to my life. Like even when I'm having these bad days, I show up and I do the work and I do my checklist and, you know, uh, make sure I cross everything out before the end of the day. And, you know, just be, be as responsible as possible as communicate effectively um, do all the little things, take care of myself, rest well, eat right, uh, follow up with people, you know, just all the things that a professional does are just simple, but they do it every single day. So that's kind of like the main thing that I've taken that I've been able to apply to my own life. Mm -hmm. And I kind of a similar question, but a little more specific. Are there any lessons that you've learned from Gerard from working with him over the last while? I know you mentioned earlier, like, um, recognizing that you're working on things that you prayed to have today or prayed to have in the past, but is there any other lessons that you've learned from Gerard? Man, I've learned so much from G like, I think the, I mean, there's obviously there's many lessons I could probably go on this question for a while, but, um, one of the main things is, uh, taking imperfect action and this philosophy of going, going against all odds is something that I took I mean, I, I was always like that because of, I've just told you my backstory, like all the odds were against me, but he had all the against, odds against him. And every time he challenges something, it's almost like if he chooses something that's almost impossible to do, you know what I mean? So when we started this show, like there was nobody doing interviews. So I was like, dude, it might not work, but let's try it. And, you know, a few months later, we started oh, getting some momentum and then it picked up and eventually got to where we're at today. But I feel like this whole idea of like when the entire when the entire odds are against you, understand that if your heart is pure and you have good intentions, the universe is with you. So that's kind of like one of the main main things that I've taken from Gerard and just you know being um, resilient, man. Being um, uh, no matter what, like show up and and push forward because there's going to be a lot more bad days and good days. And that's a, that's a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, like over like the, with the show leaders, create leaders, how it's evolved over the last several years. Like I went, I've watched some of the original episodes and there were shorter 15 minutes. And now you're getting to really long form, like 45 minute episodes. And I noticed with like the first season, you were kind of following the leaders around now and more so from the episodes that I've seen in the most recent seasons, like it's more like just the interview for the most part. Like, so how, how and why has the show evolved over the last several seasons? The main evolution has happened through uh it's like anything like we've since we have total creative control on these episodes we're able to literally make a decision like halfway through a season of like oh we're gonna do less of this or more of this and we're gonna try our best to um uh, like originally like you said like 15 minutes episodes eventually they became 25 minute episodes and now they're like 45 minutes and now season five is like broken into two parts where it's part one and then part two so there's this like huge um transition from season one to season five but the main thing that has changed is the way we approach these interviews like we go into these interviews with a with a, an intention of discovering something 
that we ourselves can answer. So we're looking for this thought leader that has those answers. And season one, season two, we're just like, let's find somebody that's like, like, you know, uh, creative or, or has a good story. And, and eventually that it has evolved into us, like finding the people that we want to really, really sit down and talk to. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, so do you produce any other work and stuff for Gerard or is it just strictly that you two collaborate on leaders, create leaders? Um, I handle a lot of his uh, pillar content, which uh, Leaders Create Leaders is is the main one. We're launching a podcast right now with Gerard, and then we're also doing a, a series of short films and um, these like other like YouTube videos that are educational. Along with that, we're producing um, a whole like series of educational content that will be in a separate library where people can have access to. And kind of that's kind of what Leaders Create Leaders is, like this library of videos that in 20 years, 30 years, people have access to, have access to this library for free that they can go back and learn from these leaders. Like imagine like having an interview where Aristotle's like talking about his day to day, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of like what I envision. Yeah. And I was curious kind of talk more so about your Instagram now. You've recently passed the 50,000 follower mark, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of. Kind of, that's awesome. And I was curious as like some of the tips and tricks and strategies you've done to grow. Cause I especially think in the last year you've grown, like you've almost doubled, I think in the last 12 yeah. months or so. Yeah, actually, um, I started my IG account probably about five years ago, but I didn't take it serious until I started working with G and, uh, he was like the one that got me kind of like, Oh, you know, got to post this and that. Like, so I started like obviously studying what works and what doesn't mostly through manage helping manage Gerard his account. And um, I think the main uh, concept is goes back to the same thing. It's just showing up daily, man, posting daily and being very intentional with your message and who you're trying to, who's your tribe? Like, who is the one you're talking to? Like for me, I talked to people that were, I talked to my 18 year old self, you know? So that person that is struggling to chase after the dreams but has this fire inside them that they want to do it. Like that's who I speak to. And if you read my captions, if you read like the stories that I post, it's all related to talking to that person. So I think like the main thing is obviously showing up every day, posting consecutively, but also um, being very intentional with your messaging, Um, share stories that are coming from inside, not necessarily just posting because you think this picture looks cool or whatever. Like, it's beyond that. I think the whole like being different and uh, being better at photography than other people will take you only to a certain level. But like, if you want to start like really doubling your or tripling or, you know, 10 X in your audience, you have to be very intentional with your message and always, always figure out who you're talking to because a lot of, I think that's the main problem. Like a lot of people, when they start off, like they're just posting content, but they don't know who they're talking to. Like write down a list of the, of the characteristics and what that person does every day of who you're talking to. So just make up a name like uh, Johnny. Johnny is an 18 year old that has a lot of responsibilities, is helping his family, supporting his family, but also is an artist and he wants to become a filmmaker or he wants to become a photographer. He goes to school every day, he has two jobs and that's the person I'm talking to, you know, literally every day. Those are, when I share a story, I'm like literally thinking about that person mm-hmm. and what he's going through. Yeah, and I've heard that tip a couple of times before. Like, that's a really smart one. It's definitely something that I need to start doing myself is kind of thinking exactly who I'm talking to. Because I kind of just post all this different content without thinking of like a target market in mind. Yeah, and that's going to evolve over time. As you evolve, that that person might evolve as well. So, but I think at day one, if you really want to start growing, is you just have to figure that out. Like, if you look at all the top influencers, they they were speaking to like one type of group, whether it was a nerd, a tech guy, or whether it's like a filmmaker creator, or whether it was like a philosopher, like they speak to one person and mm-hmm. they stick, they, they revolve everything that, that they share is, is to support that person's problems or provide value for that person. Yeah. And then you also have a YouTube, which you do every once in a while. Do you have a strategy? Are you going to start going more YouTube videos this year? Kind of how do you think about YouTube? Oh man, I literally um, had this, um, I've struggled so much with YouTube personally because I create so much content for other YouTube channels that it just doesn't give me the, the fire, the energy to create for mine. And it's this whole idea of like, 
overcoming the fear of not being perfect, you know, so mm-hmm. taking imperfect action. And that's what I'm going to do moving forward. Like I've uh, had this long conversation with my wife the other day. I was like, damn, like it sucks that I can't produce for my own YouTube channel when I love producing, you know, when I love sharing stories. So she like just called me out and she's like, well, it's because you're a perfectionist. Like stop being such a pussy and get it done, you know? So um, I've, you know, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I'm going to do a lot of these one takes where I just um, choose a story that I'm going to talk about and then just share it like straight to camera. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be doing more of that. And then obviously like um, there's about, about 12 videos that are travel videos that are like, on cue, I have an assistant editor helping me edit these right now. And it's like, you know, the different destinations that I've gone to over the last two years. And uh, they're all like travel stories. So that'll be another series that I'm, that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. And um, that's pretty much kind of like the, the mindset there. But I do plan on being consistent um, in 2019, 2020, like just showing up. Even if it's like a one-take video, I need to put it up. And not that I like half, I'm half asking it is like, I'm being very intentional with messaging, but I'm not overproducing where I, I don't get it done, you know? And I was going to actually ask a question kind of along that lines is how do you like, was your, how you feel with producing so much content for other people and kind of focusing on others' brands? Well, not forgetting about your own, but spending more time helping others grow their brands than growing yours. Uh, that's a great question. So the main thing here is like, the mission has to be aligned. So my mission with Leaders Create Leaders and with Gerard's brand is aligned with my mission. You know, like they're, they're, they're one the same, even though they're not on my channel, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I'm not creating for, for what I want to create. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think the main thing, if, you're, if somebody's struggling with that, whether like, let's say that you're working, like it happened to me, you know, suddenly I was shooting weddings and I was shooting all these random photo shoots and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't aligned with my mission. So I had to give that up to be able to make space for the the things that I care to talk about and share with the world. So, you know, it's just uh, aligning yourself. And at the end of the day, like I do, there's like this ego part of me where I do want to grow my own channel and my own audience, but that easily gets resolved when I'm actually, I'm actually doing that, but it's not on my, it's not on my channel. Mm-hmm. And like you've talked about being so busy and have all these things going on. So I was going to ask how you balance everything. You have a family, you work super hard on all your videos and everything that you create. Like, how do you balance everything? Journal, man. Mm-hmm. Checklist, uh, being very intentional with uh, your time. I mean, I, I, there's times that I do um, get out of rhythm, but it's very important to have this routine where you know what you're going to do the following day and um the beautiful thing about nowadays that like for example my team is completely um nomad nobody works in the exact same location only when we get together to shoot an actual episode are we in the same place so we use a uh, trailer boards we have we use slack so all these systems are there for you to be um, as productive as possible and at the end of the day you need to build a team like you cannot do it by yourself one of the things i learned recently was that if you want to be a professional youtuber or a creator in this case, you need somebody to help you edit. And I grew up with a philosophy of like, if I can do it all, why don't I just do it all? Right. But this whole idea of like not giving somebody else like the opportunity to edit your videos is almost like just being fearful that you're not good enough, you know? So it's trusting the system, trusting uh, the people that are coming into the team and that's really the only way to do it man because if you if you try to do it all yourself like there's no balance in that there's zero balance um on the contrary it's like when you're starting when you want to get momentum day one sometimes you just have to break your balance and you have to be all in on your project like that's the only way to get the you know the engine going and and moving forward and i think um thankfully i've been able to endure be resilient through those years in my early 20s and even the, you know, even in my thirties, like where I had to be resilient and just not have balance in my life. You know, there's, there is some, I did, um, I can't say that I've always had balance, but this is the most balance I've ever been, um, ever. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your journal and I wanted to ask about the power of manifestation. If you believe in manifesting, because that's something when like, I've kind of gone out of routine with my journal, but when I used to do it, I used to like manifest and write down things, goals, but things that I, but I don't structure the goal. I structure something that's going to happen. Um, it's true. First of all, it 
that's hundred uh, percent true. Um, I can tell you from the day that I, I can remember things that I believed in this and having that intuition as a kid always helped me accomplish or get to my goals and dreams. Um, even to the point where, you know, marrying, getting married to the girl of my dreams, you know, like even those like things manifested into my life or having, I wanted a family since I was a kid. Like I wanted a big family. It happened to me. Um, becoming a filmmaker it happened to me. Like anything that I've written down and really felt that by put in the work with honest integrity, uh, with love, with um, just good intentions that the world through the form of karma will, will give me will give me that, will manifest that for me. So it's like the whole thing, like the whole uh, concept I was saying earlier, like the odds are against you, but the, the universe is with you. So, you know, pick your, pick your side, you know, you're going to be able to do it. And I, like right now that you're doing this, like I saw you, like for you, I saw you since uh, day one when you started. And along that road, you're going to have like these roadblocks, right? But this, all these good intentions that you had when you started, if you just keep them here within you and, and you keep that fire alive, and eventually the universe is going to align it, align it for you and manifest it as... It's, the manifestation is coming from you, but the universe is, is, is slowly helping you out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. And so with that in mind, what are some long-term goals that you're kind of going after right now? Um, long seems scary, though. <laughs> I think we live in a day and age where like long is like two years now or what is long term? I mean, it could be a year. It could be 20 years. I kind of leave that open to interpretation. Um, man, it's crazy because um, I, I think the more I do this, the more I uh, dive into filmmaking and I've been doing this now for, for quite a while, the more I fall in love with it. So for me, like, continuing this road through filmmaking maybe even having the means to do a higher production um, would be a dream come true like if i can get a budget to do like either a feature film whether it's a narrative or a feature documentary it would be amazing and that's kind of like one of the things that i'm working towards for right now and i know it's going to happen it's just a matter of me um getting there you know sticking through all the the rough patches ups and downs to eventually get there but you know it's when i say long term when you say long term, it seems kind of scary because it, it seems like I'll be 50 and not still not be, um, you know, finished with my first feature film. Yeah. Nice. But, but it could be this, it could be in a month, you know, it could be in the month that I get the funding for, for my first script. And now, you know, now it became a short term goal. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I wanted to ask, like, what do you hope people take away when they consume your content? Um, hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hope. Just that they that I, when they when they see it, they get this reignition, this reignitement in their inside themselves. That they themselves, if I if I if I'm doing it with all the st- like odds stacked against me, like you can do it too. And uh, we live in a day and age where um, you have access to information and you have access to tools that were not available before, and you can literally create and manifest um, uh, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And for the final question, I kind of like to flip the script a little bit. I want to ask you, like, what's one question about anything that you would want to know the answer to? That I yet know the answer to, right? Mm-hmm. Damn, man, that's a tough one. Do you ask this to everybody? Every single person. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... That's a really, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really confused with that question. Is there, is there a thing I want to make a video about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's it's awesome. a really, it's a really, um, it's a really tough, can I, can I reverse the question on you? Maybe get some, uh, what's one question I would want to know the answer to. Yeah. Uh, I think and just right now I wrote a blog post a couple of days ago titled, will it be worth it? specifically about the podcast. Like, will all the work I put in, I've done, this is the 38th episode. I've spent 
probably thousands of dollars on it now. I've taken a trip to record episodes. Will it all be worth it? It's kind of the question that I'm going to go with. Got it. But I mean, with that in mind, I kind of flip in the blog post that I was writing, I flipped it on its head and I wrote, instead of will it, I wrote, has it been worth it so far? And the answer was yes. So kind of with that in mind, I want to say that will it be worth it. Yes, it will be. But I mean, I don't know. So I'm going to go with that question. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to come up with it. I think because of that, it's because I, I just what you answered right now, like for, for a lot of the things that I've done throughout my life, like this whole idea of like living without regrets is almost impossible. But at the same time, I, I see the other side of things, the other side of the coin is, you know, a lot of gratitude comes from being able to sacrifice a lot. And whether it was a failure or success, you're able to uh, have some sense of peace that you, you went out there and you tried your best, you know? So um, it's, a, it's a tough question at, at, at this point in my life yeah. uh, to, to ask. I'm Definitely. more, uh, yeah, more in the spiritual side now. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we can totally skip that question. Yeah. Like if, we, if there's no answer, we can just go past it. But I did want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. I know there's a lot more that we could talk about, but I wanted to give you the floor right now to plug everything you got. Where can the people find you? Where should they go follow you? Um, YouTube, for sure. Digital Jeff. Just type in Digital Jeff. Give me the uh, subscribe there. You're going to be seeing a lot more videos from me there. And obviously, if you type in Leaders Create Leaders, Subscribe to that channel. We got 178 videos now, going 179 by tomorrow. And uh, it's nonstop. It keeps going. So those two channels, you know, appreciate all support. And then also probably in the next few months, I'm going to launch a Patreon where I'm going to be doing like, you know, um, just creator lessons. People that want to learn how to edit Premiere or want to edit Final Cut or want to um, learn photography. Um, I actually taught photography for many years, so it's a great um, way to me to give back, but also for people to support me in some of the projects that I'm working on, mm. you know, so Patreon backslash digital Jeff. Awesome. And when you were teaching photography, you wanted to be the world's greatest teacher, right? Amen. That was literally what I wrote down. I wrote it on the big board. And the interesting thing that happened right after that, I wrote that is like a few months later, I quit teaching because I had capped out and I was like, oh shit, like I really want to teach the masses. I want to become the Aristotle of our, of our generation. I have to go out there and um, scale, scale my, my, my person, you know? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I just want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Do me a favor, guys. Go and follow Jeff on Instagram, on YouTube. Subscribe to his Patreon. I'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me at, at the Jacob Kelly on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at, at MySocialPod and on YouTube at just MySocialLife. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.